Hello, it's Toby here. I'm not turning around, and don't be put off by all the scribbles I've got on my face. I'm welcoming you to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary in which a special guest chooses a Doctor Who story, and I have to guess what their favourite things about it are. I awake. Well, I'm still awake. Uh, And before I go to bed, I am going to watch... The Satan Pit. Uh, why did I say the Satan Pit? The Satan Pit. I think if you're America, you'd say American, you'd say the Satan Pit, like you say Robin Hood or Doctor Who, whereas we say Doctor Who, Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, the Satan. Pit. Oh, we do say the Satan. Doesn't really matter. Um, I've already segued and I haven't even started. Um, I think I might must be infected by my special guest, the lovely Nick Randall, who has gone above and beyond the call of duty, not only in terms of what he's recorded, but also uh, in terms of the energy and enthusiasm he has injected into proceedings. So he's recorded. You don't have to record a, a, an introduction for both episodes, but he has. Of course he has. So let's see what he's going to say. About, I mean, we know why he's chosen the Satan Pit, because it's part two of a two part adventure. But he's going to tell us anyway. Uh, and, and for those of you that uh, can't see because you're listening to the podcast, uh, he's got the face of Bo in his hands at the beginning. Some enchanted evening. I will meet a stranger. I will meet a stranger across a crowded wall. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no explanation for that. Uh, my name's Nick, uh, I'm a podcaster, and I'm also one of Toby Haydock's warm-up chaps for Happy Times and Places, which is all about uh, bits of Doctor Who that we love, and guessing which bits of Doctor Who that we love, and all the rest of it, um, which is very, very exciting. And I am on part two of The Impossible Planet slash The Satan Pit, and we are up to The Satan Pit. But just before uh, we start, just before we begin, if you don't mind me indulging myself a little bit, I just got this package from Kablam, which is so exciting. Um, It got sent from via transmission of interstitial time waves activated by nebulous contortions. Uh, Tick wank. (laughs) Um, So let's have a look in here. Uh, That's a lot of uh, stuff. Oh, lots of wrapping in here. And bubble wrap as well, my favourite. I'll have a go with that later. Hey, readers. <laughs> um, oh, dear me. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, 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 you're going to love this. I'm going to love this. If I can open it up. It is a perfect replica in miniature of Patrick Troughton's first ever sonic screwdriver. How about that? From Fury from the Deep, um, episode one, uh, scene three, uh, four minutes, 25 seconds in. Awesome, man. Gorgeous. And oh, there's even a note attached as well. Oh, thank you for purchasing your completely authentic and uh, commemorative second Doctor Who um, sonic screwdriver. Oh, its multi-purpose functionality will give you hours of pleasure. <laughs> and it has at least three settings, which is amazing. To quote Yoda from Star Wars, Star Wars? Saw you coming, we did. No, I don't understand that at all. Anyway, this is rather lovely. Just get rid of her. Anyway, it's time for uh, watching the Satan Pit and a lot of uh, hijinks and uh, great stories from Toby Hayden. And meanwhile, I'm gonna play with this bubble wrap from Kablam. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Oh! <laughs> 
explosion, explosion. CGI, CGI. <laughs> texted him uh, after watching uh, The uh, Impossible Planet and said, um, thanks very much for going to such an effort. He said, so sorry, I, I hope it doesn't seem like I've taken over your podcast. Uh, and, I, and he said, I didn't know, you know, I didn't, know what, I didn't know what anybody else had done. The whole point of this is that everybody responds to the brief in their own way to show that Doctor Who fandom is a broad church. You have some very factual people who are very, you know... Um, clear cut and straight you have some people who uh who choose silly things um and, and do it very lightly some people who come to it from a very intellectual point of view some who come to it from a nostalgic point of view and some who treat it as a stage <laughs> no, uh, and and each person must do it uh according to who they are I, and so I'm loving Nick's contribution, uh, even though I think he's gone to far more effort than is strictly necessary. But uh, I don't mind, and I'm sure you don't, dear uh, viewer slash podcaster. Um, although, if you are listening to the podcast version, uh, do uh, avail yourself of the video when it comes out much later, because they're much harder to put together. Because um, the visuals there are, are, you know, the making of it. Anyway... Uh, I feel like we've already done about half an hour and we haven't even started the episode. So it's the Satan Pit and I am going to press uh, play in three, two, one. Uh, and uh, I'm watching uh, a version that has the recap from last week, which is nice. I like a recap. I like a next time on as well. Of course, we'd, we'd never, prior to Doctor Who coming back, had, you know, next time on. Uh, and I, I know some people who don't watch the next time ons because they consider them to be spoilers. I consider them to be the sort of the cliffhanger in a way, the thing that, that lures you back next week. Each to their own. I, I can sort of understand both. Um, I mean, I watched every clip that was that was that was coming. I, I, I needed things to help me kill the week between Saturday and Saturday. That's changed in. Oh, oh, Keith, at least, at least we see Keith again. Um uh, is that now Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday seems to blooming well fly by. I go, God, Doc Two's on again. I think I think as you get older, the time the time flies quicker. Its wings get bigger, and you can hear it beating, beating its way to heaven's door. Uh, anyway, <coughs> we are back into Doc Two. Ah, so there's no pre-credits sequence. The pre-credits is <coughs> what happened last week. That is fair enough. I think it's uh, it would be unreasonable to have a here's what happened last week, and then we've got to we've got to get something really exciting to lead us into the credits as well. Um, although these stories do tend to have um, quick such quick story beats that there is incident uh, every few minutes or so. Although I recall this one being a much slower second part than I'd expected from the first. Um, it's still all very aliens uh, with uh, with these guys. Finally, somebody shot somebody. Um, uh, that seems like a bloodthirsty thing to say, but there was lots of cocking of weapons and pointing of weapons, um, uh, and, and nobody actually fired. Keith got close, but he got killed. Um, 
so presumably there's lots of uh, oud brains splattered all over the place there. And they looked very much like um, uh, they were done in post, those bullets as well. Um, you know, so instead of having bullets flying about, which they'd have so effectively in Bad Wolf Parting of the Waves, I think that was... I, I could be wrong. Um, oh. Is, is this where is this where Sylvia gets hers? Yeah. Or Sheila. We don't... Uh, Sheila, Sylvia. Um... Uh, yeah, and, and when and she didn't even live to have Danny tell her, like he's told nobody, that Keith is dead. Um, so <laughs> I was gonna, do you know what I was gonna do? I was gonna actually the oud marching are so good. I've not not to be frivolous. I am being frivolous. I um, and and it all seems a bit. Zach seems stuffed, so I was convinced Zach was gonna die. Um, uh, and I really like Sean Parks. He's 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 an actor. I would say with easy charisma. Um, and of course, it's 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 not easy. It's innate. You've either got got it or you haven't. Um, and uh, but because he's so <sighs> normal is the wrong word. But because he well normal, yeah, he's he's normal. But he's. He's TV normal, which means what you do is you get a, an actor who is watchable and charismatic, but you like him because there's seemingly no pyrotechnics there. It's not a it's not a virtuoso performance, and which which actually makes it all the more attractive. I think he's great. I love. I think this is so well cast. Andy Pryor, who 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 casts Doctor Who, um, I mean, I suspect he's got the. Well, I know he's got the he's got the profession at his beck and call because everyone wants to be in Doctor Who, but uh, you know, early on when it it was coming back doctor who was a bit of a joke uh and uh doctor who has of course always relied on you know getting good actors to give it credibility and to 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 beef it up where um you know big budgets and special effects aren't always available uh and doctor who's always very cleverly relied on its actors and I, and i think this is a prime example which is why i chose the ensemble for the impossible planet however so i can't choose them again so i can't Go on about them. Um, now, listen, uh, I, I nearly, before I did this, went and looked to see the names of the performers who play uh, Sylvia and Keith, because um, I've got that information upstairs. But I do not prepare for these. I already do two podcasts, um, Too Much Information and Indefinable Magic, which take a lot of work, a lot of writing, a lot of research. Uh, I, you know, I also have... To earn a living, uh, and I'm doing a Doctor Who DVD commentary two days after this, uh, Doctor Who documentary the week after, and then a, 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 another day job I have, which involves walking the cobbles of a place called Weatherfield. So uh, I can't, I can't prepare for these. Any information I give you is with the caveat: this is what I think. These are the, you know, I have not, I have not prepared or looked up stuff so i but i part of me really wants to know i like the idea that in the, and, and also i haven't researched the new series i still think of this as i know probably some listeners to this this is ancient doctor who because if you're if if you're 25 now you were 10 when when this was on is that right yeah about that um because this is series two um Whereas this is relatively <laughs> new to me, so I've I've never 
apart from reading Doc Two magazine articles and interviews, listening to commentaries on the the DVDs when they came out, and the red button commentaries, and obviously pouring over the stuff when these episodes were out. So yeah, fifteen years or so ago. Um, that's all the information I have. I haven't researched them since in the way that I I have the sort of older stuff because I see that as the, the, the need to speak to people from those shows sort of more urgent. Um, I did meet Danny Webb. He was he was playing Gloucester to Ian McKellen's King Lear. Very well he was. I treated myself to a ticket. They had one ticket left and I had a, I had a spare night in London. And uh, my friend Lloyd Hutchinson was playing uh, The Fool. So I, I met Lloyd after for a drink and, and Danny Webb was there. And uh, uh, I said about three things to him and they were all stupid. Uh, I'd read in the programme that he'd played Cornwall to Glenda Jackson's King Lear. So I sort of said, oh, and you were Cornwall. And he went, yeah. And he wasn't unpleasant, but it was just a really stupid thing. I, was, I, was, I, I, was, I wanted to say something that would make him like me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and yeah, so we had a... We had a brief chat. Um, I didn't mention Doctor Who. Uh, I did say, I know your work, which is, I think, a nice thing to say to somebody. But um, I don't think I made much of an impression. Uh, and it was quite a long show, so there wasn't long in the bar. And uh, I was catching up with uh, with Lloydie anyway. But uh, So I've met Danny Webb, uh, but I wish... And I, I'll tell you why I was happy that he gets top billing this, because there was a, a Sherlock Holmes with um, Richard Roxburgh, um, that was done at Christmas, not long before this, uh, a few years, and he'd played Lestrade, but actually Lestrade only had like one scene, so it wasn't a great part, and he was quite low down the credits, and I thought, oh, but it's Danny Webb doing such a tiny part, so when he was, I wanted Doctor Who to be giving him good, you know, and he did, and it did. The Ood are brilliant, and having the alien talk, the beast talking through the Ood, uh, is is great they are so and making their eyes go red suddenly those benign uh rather sweet creatures become absolutely terrifying looking just by giving them red eyes it's sort of robots of deathy uh um uh, and of course we we, uh, that's what i was going to say yes um it's, great. it's brilliantly directed by James Strong, so that's a great shot. Sc uh, panning across the Ood as they wait. And all they're doing is holding balls, uh, but th uh, they've they've turned the translation of devices into killers. But those those masks are absolutely superb from the from the texture to the eyes to the to the liquid, you know, the, the moisture on them. Uh I mean this is top class stuff. Um and Gabriel Wolf. Oh my goodness! Uh, and I think he's slightly puzzled by his contribution, Doctor. Although that said, I got to interview Gabriel Wolf on stage at the fiftieth anniversary thing, and he'd brought Sutek's speech with him, uh, and, and so he said, uh, "If I may," and he read it out loud on the stage, and everyone gave him a round of applause. So I think he knows that that's his party piece, you know, or, or life shell, uh, you know, fish, fish, reptiles, fish. He has a go at fish, doesn't he, Sutek? Uh, which seems incongruous. I don't know why. Everything else saying animals, people, blah, but then when he goes fish, you go, oh, hang on, calm down. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is brilliant, the, 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 the psychological stuff that he plays. We never know what, uh, what Jefferson 
did to his wife. And poor Will Thorpe's a virgin, goodness me. And of course he, well, spoilers, he dies at the end. So he dies one, that seems so. Why, why do we think, why do we think, oh, somebody died a virgin, that's a tragedy. It's a, there's all sorts of tragedies associated with, with, with something, I suspect, as he breathed his laugh. Last is, if he didn't think, oh, if only I'd had the sex. Uh, maybe he did, I don't know. Ah! Oh, I love that. That's so, that's proper Doctor Who scare. It's quite grown-up stuff, isn't it, saying somebody's a, a, a virgin? It's uh, If you're a kid, I think, watching that, you go, oh, God, they're talking about grown-up stuff. And that's the sort of stuff, anything sort of related to sex you wouldn't have had in, in classic Doctor Who. That's, that's uh, how society has changed slightly. Um, and how viewing has changed slightly, being a bit more honest and open about that. I, I, I mean, I think Doctor Who's always judged it quite well. I, I like the fact that Doctor Who doesn't have a high sex content, and I don't mean, I don't mean actual sex, but I mean that 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 it's it is quite a chaste show, and I quite like that because I think there's sex and drugs and rock and roll all all over telly, and I like the fact that Doctor Who relies on other things you know it gets its kicks from ancient evil rather than the fact that michelle shag james or whatever you know which is the staple of many programs but uh, i think doctor who does well to steer clear of it and unrequited love is a is a different thing and again i think they uh, i think the way that they did it with the doctor and and rose um was essential to its success but didn't actually break any of the cardinal laws of you know no hanky panky and the tardis got very close um, lovely, another lovely bit of jeopardy there. Doctor and Ida are stuck. Um, although, uh, I mean, you would have believed from last week that, um, uh, you know, they'd, they'd currently be dining with the Beast because the cliffhanger was that the Beast was coming to get them. But uh, actually, it was just the camera, which is a bit of a cheat. I love, I love all the cable uh, that's, uh, that shows it's totally, totally, totally stuffed. Uh, um, so look uh, yeah Silver and Keith are gone nobody's mentioned it to anybody why well, yeah Jefferson hasn't gone the, the Uda kind of break in and by the way Sylvia's dead uh, uh, that's a great shot these those the production design's fantastic because it's got the the, the, the circles in the doors and they've been used at various times this to, there's one in part one isn't there with Toby with the slide which is a great cutting from the door to the to the slide it's very well put together um, uh, yeah very good um, um, uh, but yes I, I do like the idea that in 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 <laughs> in 20 years time when I'm in when I'm getting my pension I go and now I shall track down all the people from the Russell T. Davis era of Doctor Who. Uh, and, and I tracked down Sylvia and Keith and, you know, she's a big Hollywood executive and, and, uh, and, and he's, he's been starring in his own show. Uh, and I think, oh God, they probably want to want to talk about Doctor Who. And actually they're both going, no, no, we love the fact that we were in Doctor Who before we were really, really successful. And uh, yeah, yeah, we know we've got real affection for it. And uh, and then they tell me that they actually did have scenes where their deaths were recorded and they, uh, and, and, and you know, that the, 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 they had a whole funeral and everything, but it had to be cut for time. Uh, and then and we'll discover that footage and then we'll get the Satan Pit, the Impossible Planet, the, the Silver and Keith cut. And, and, then, and then Keith will say, because uh, uh, the, the actors are called the same. Uh, and, and Keith will say, oh, I always, 
I always actually had a bit of a a, a, a torch for, for for Sylvia, uh, and 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 then I'll go. Oh, but actually, she's. I know that she's just come out of a relationship, um, and and is looking to settle down, perhaps with somebody she used to know. And 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 he'll go. Oh, have you have you got a n- number? I'll go. We don't do numbers anymore. The phones are obsolete. We just we just transmit to each other's microchips. Have you got a microchip code? Yes. Uh, and then they'll get married and I'll go to their wedding. And <laughs> yeah, I've decided that's what's going to happen. So um, we need the, the ballad of Sheila and Keith uh, or Sylvia and Keith. Um, uh, oh, nice, nice little kick you did there, Rose. Billy Piper. I've, I, we're in da- I'm in danger of taking Billy Piper f- for granted because she was the big surprise, of course. Um, you know, oh, God, Billy Piper, the pop star's going to be a doc too. And she lights up every scene that she's in. She's such a good actress. Um, uh, and uh, and it's obviously the continuity between, you know, because we lost Christopher Eccleston so early, Tennant is still the new boy. Um, although this is Billy Piper's last recorded story, I think, isn't it? Because they did the, the cyber two-parter and the season finale all together. Uh relatively early i think didn't they and and this was the this was the last stuff they record these were the last ones that they did oh this is proper doctor who and and it's uh, i think the reason i like it is because it's what i always wanted doctor who to be when it couldn't quite be that when i was watching old stuff because it didn't have the resources and some stories i'd imagined looking like this but obviously didn't because you know they were filmed well not filmed uh, videotaped at a time you you couldn't make stuff that looked like this. So when I read the Target books, they all looked like this. And then when I watched them, they didn't look like this. Um, and and this so this has enough of fulfilling my dreams of what I wanted Doctor Who to look like, but it retains enough of the character and quality and all those brilliant things that Doctor Who did originally. And it hasn't traded any of those in. Uh, and and you can do such good lighting. I, uh, the, 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 the nature of the sets um, uh, and it's even got a ventilation shaft and I like the fact that Danny Webb doesn't do it all sort of oh yes aren't we being arch about this he's he's totally in the situation Sean Parks still hasn't been in a scene with anybody else uh, he's talking to nobody he's pressing buttons uh, that's that's yeah you've got to be good Um, so it's getting a bit aliensy. It's, it gets a bit more philosophical down here. I think Ida and the Doctor are treading water a little bit. Um, although, as I say, I'm watching on a slightly bigger screen than I would have had at the time, and uh, the 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 set and the obviously the, the 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 cheating that they do to to make the caves bigger and augment them with bits is again really impressive visuals. Um, oh. Um, but yeah, the doctor's the doctor's about to get very philosophical as he goes down the hole, isn't he? Um, talk about lots of different religions um, because the beast is is chained down. It's interesting because this is this is sort of related to pyramids of Mars, um, uh, and uh, in that the villain is essentially sitting in a chair, being a scary voice, uh, and here the villain is chained up and can't go anywhere and is essentially a projected scary voice and 
you know other people are doing the dirty work so there are there are similarities with pyramids I'm not saying it's it's plagiarized from it's just it's very interesting how um you know both ways of dealing with the devil the all-powerful is that you can't actually have them loose because they'd you know they'd crush everybody straight away so they have to use inadequate vessels to carry out their dirty work i thought danny might might get it here um um and he, he never did he never did danny survives um I, I love all of this. I'm a sucker for this. It's 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 very sort of boy's own adventure, or, or it was the sort of thing that movies did. You know, I remember watching Aliens at home and as a kid and thinking, oh, if only Doc Two could do this sort of thing, uh, and it and it and it can. That's great shot, great shot um, of the of the Ud in the doorway when the when the grating falls, uh, and uh, oh, a bottom joke. It's very risque. <laughs> But again, I think it judges it judges it pretty well. Um, another good special effect shot, uh, just to give us a sense of where we are. Um, quite claustrophobic, isn't it? And, and isn't it great that they're in they're in well, they're not in ventilation shafts, are they? Are they service ducts, whatever they are. Uh, but a good old staple of Doctor Who and. You've got, and of course, Zach's doing all of that, but the Ood are breaking in, and he's only got, what is it, four, 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 four uh, nails or whatever it is in his nail gun. So. Oh, dear, dear. Fart joke. They're not my favourite, but I understand there's a place for them. Um, this is great. This. Um, this must have been such fun to do. Um, this is what acting is to me. It's, it's sitting there with a gun, being dramatic while aliens are after you. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> I mean, as I say, Danny Webb, I saw his very good Gloucester opposite Ian McKellen's King Lear. But secretly, I think it's probably more fun to play a man in a ventilator shaft shooting homicidal squid beasts, um, and, and and you know this is a, this is a classic classic staple where you know you, you have to you, you know Doctor Who's had it hasn't it of uh, of uh, in full circle where uh, Vash um, you know gets stuck behind a door that's closing and this is essentially uh, what we have here with uh, with uh, with Jefferson although. Uh, uh, we, we don't we don't know yet that he's not going to make it, but he's kind of sealed his fate by holding the defensive position, uh, and and that's all done by suggestion as well because you've got the the the, the shooting, uh, and uh, you know it's it's not going to be pretty the other side of it, but we don't see it, so that's fine. Um, c come on, Mister Jefferson. Uh, Uh, and and it's and it's clever. You really buy all of this. Ronnie Judge is doing that very well. Um, uh, you know, and the idea that you can you can only have the air in one place and not the other. Uh, go on, Jefferson. You got And this is really tense. This is really good. And that's a great staple as well. You know, the machine gun running out, and you you get the pistol out, and then you chuck the pistol. Uh, and Come on, Jefferson. And of course, he's part of his character is that he's the he's the salty old Sarge. 
Uh, so he's not going to be as quick as everybody else. Come on, Mr. Jefferson. Oh, no, I see. Oh, but I love that. This is, this is the stuff. This is the stuff. This is the stuff that gets me. Heroic sacrifice. Um, oh, and he does it so nicely. I love Danny Webb. Uh, even... <laughs> Even though I was very unimpressive in his presence. Yes, you did, Mister Jefferson. Oh. And they can, and they can hear, they can all hear it. That's the great thing about communicators is you can sort of eavesdrop on intimate moments. Uh, speed up the process. Oh dear. Death by Ood. I, I, I'm not quite sure because because it does take a while to suffocate. But I suppose if they if they suck the air out really quickly, do you go unconscious? That's what I'm going for. Yeah, and so of course Zach has to do it. Oh dear, <laughs> that makes me. That's the sort of thing that makes me. So of course, I mean, yeah, it's. Oh, oh, see, I'm a sucker for this. Uh, with honours, you know, and that's a bit, uh, well, that's slightly subverted a bit, isn't it, in Horror of Fangrock with Colonel Skinsale, uh, Death with Honour. Oh, yes, I get quite emotional at things like that. It's weird, it's weird. I'm not so soppy about the sort of lovey-dovey scenes, but heroic sacrifice is my thing. I, I was, I suppose, because of the sort of stuff I, I grew up reading, I don't know. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. Um, uh, they've gone all that way and they're, they're at the final juncture. You think, oh, they've got a bit of respite. No, there's Ood on the other side after, you know, the quiet moment of reflection for the for the fallen comrade. Although, And this is a brilliant shock moment where you just have uh, Toby do that. That's so good. Because he's been, he's been scared and he's the virgin and all of that sort of thing. You, you've, you, you sort of know, that you know, you just sort of think, oh, well, he was just taken over at the beginning. Oh, no, it's still lurking within him. So even if they do escape the Ood, they don't know that they've got the sort of the beast's vessel with them. Uh, so it's, there's, there's, nev there's never anything that happens here where Jeopardy is not a knocking on the door. Um, for everybody, for everybody involved. It's so layered. It's so brilliantly um, structured and pieced together. Um, oh, and he's got his bolt gun. Oh, yes, so you're going to turn the Ud off. Yeah, because... Well done, well done, well done. That's good, that's good. Oh, I got I got quite into that. <laughs> um, so I lost track when I was talking about something, wasn't I? It uh, doesn't matter doesn't matter this is all good and of course it's making very good use of the oud because it's it's probably only the same half dozen oud but they're all on various different sets so you get really get the impression of of scale and a large amount of them um that, that, oh that's what i was gonna say yeah he they they, they put maynard dead with honors no sylvia isn't even officially dead yet there could be there could be a whole short trip or uh, or, or something where somebody goes looking for Silver and Keith because their deaths haven't even been recorded. Anyway, sorry, I'm talking about Silver and Keith uh, when the doctor's doing. He's he's doing his musing on religions. 
um, which is which is a fascinating concept, isn't it? Is that obviously everyone thinks their religion is right, but all religions have you know commonalities to them um, because you know we we create them in our own image and we we um, and I'm not knocking religion. I'm not a religious person myself. I I, I, I think, but I actually think having something that gives you a code of honor is is important and good i also think and perhaps i don't uh, i i'm too uh, i'm uh, uh, i'm too narcissistic not i you know that i find the argument very convincing for religion that you have to believe in something that you have no proof of but to that you are deferent to 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 make you have a sense of place so that you're not the most important person in the world. And I think a lot of today's problems are to do with people thinking that they and, and their point of view are the most important and only. And actually, religion can work counter to that because it, it can give you a sense of shared community and, as I say, a subservience to a greater thing, which uh, makes you um, get over yourself. Um, but I... Uh, I've I I have to see it to believe it I think uh although I do like the idea I I I just you know there are, it's just the fact that every different society has come up with their own religion they can't all be right well they can all be right if it's just that everyone's interpreted the same thing and got you know and over the centuries you know the, the stories have changed and metamorphosed but they're all based on the same thing and that's sort of what this is about going well the devil is the devil uh in all these sorts of different religions and they have their commonalities but they're there so you know so they could all be based on the same person gabriel wolf they're all they're all sutek they're all um and and i like the fact that that has that continuity within within the doctor who universe as well as it is based very much on on uh you know, on 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 us. You know, um, and I think David Tennant is so good here, and he's so good. And again, for a, a science fiction show, I think it's quite important to go. And at moments, we just have to do things where we have a leap of faith, and it's not all science and maths because science can be as restrictive and as cold as. Uh, 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 as as anything and uh, that can be its own sort of religion um oh did they chant ch chance the flavia the uh, the singing lady piece of incidental music i think they did um go on you're gonna jump yeah brilliant brilliant that's a really thoughtful moment uh but it's interesting, isn't it, that, 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 you know, Rose and that lot are at the sort of heart of the action and the Doctor's there sort of pondering about... Uh, uh, re you know, religion and uh, all that. Oh, she's really good too. Uh, but, of course, because the Ood have passed out now, we've we've got a little time... Uh, but it's but there's still you know for Rose the Doctor is gone so we you know they they keep being separated uh, and just as she's out of danger uh, she's now got to start worrying about him 
Oh, and it's so sad for Ida, who just gets to just gets to sit on the. I wonder what it's like getting the script going, and what action? Do, oh, I get to sit on the edge of a plate. But actually, she gets she gets some nice stuff to do, and she's really, really good at it. Yeah, off you go, getting off the getting off the place. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. The the the, the 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 that's what this era does well as well is that that that, is that and I think Doctor Who that the advantage of going from place to place and story to story is every time you get introduced to a new bunch of characters and you get characters you're interested in and you like and if they're well drawn you get to know them in the space of what an hour and a half um, and that's that's why I mentioned the Poseidon adventure last time is because. Basically, every time you get to a Doctor Who story, not everyone's going to get out alive. In fact, there are so few stories where everybody lives uh, that that part of the game, if you like, is going, are they making me like this person because they're going to kill them? Or are they making me like this person because they're going to live and I'll be happy? Uh, and and that's the wonderful thing about going to, 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 to different places every time. Um, is this... I wonder how popular this one is um i'm surprised it's not more because the season i always used to get across because the season finales always used to win the season polls because they're the season finales um uh but i th i think did this one come did this one come second after army of ghosts and uh doomsday i think it probably did oh the twitching ood that's really horrible uh, that's really it's, that's really grim <laughs> but very very good um, and the doctor is fine and he's broken his uh, he's, he's broken his helmet quiet at the back oh, I'm I'll be surprised if Nick doesn't make something of that um, but this is surely this is a classic and because I, I do have some friends who don't like 2005 onwards who who are very much classic series people. I would hope that this is this is one that uh, that even fans of you know just stick in the muds who refuse to like anything beyond uh, survival would 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 acknowledge that this is good old proper Doctor Who. Um, because it's got everything. It's got everything. Uh, except eulogies for Sylvia and Keith, which I'm not going to forgive them for. Oh, that's... And again, you know, there's jeopardy there. Rose is gone. Uh, and, you f and you feel it. And it makes you think, how the hell is she going to get back to him? Uh, but of course... Uh, the bolt gun there is going to be used later, so it's not just there to show that Rose is trying to get back to the Doctor and, and so that she doesn't just do a sort of mealy mouth protest or whatever. It's it's very clever seeding because we know the bolt gun is there, which is now going to be used, spoilers, uh, later on. Uh But I remember thinking when this happened, I was like, well, where's the story going to go for me? Because they've, they've sort of gone. 
What's the doctor going to do? Uh, and uh, that's a bit Quatermassy because there's a there's a whole bit in uh, in Quatermass in the pit where uh, in Rony's lab they have uh, they have pictures of um, cave paintings over thirty thousand years old. Are they? Uh, and they're pictures of you know cavemen in ritual masks and the ritual masks are gargoyles and the gargoyles look like the Martians in the pit because the Martians in the pit uh, are reminiscent of uh, Satan, the beast, blah blah blah, blah and that's where we get our satanic images from, ancient Mars. So it all ties in. That is an absolutely glorious special effect. It's a brilliant design. It's utterly terrifying. Uh, and they've still got the bad guy on board. Woody, he played in Casualty. He was a nice ambulance driver. Uh, then I think he did Corey for a bit. Um, oh, so you're, yeah, you're good. And this is, and you feel the heat. The lighting there is great as well, because I suspect that's probably at four o'clock in the morning and absolutely bloody freezing. Uh, but they've they've made it look like he's, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, baking in the glare of the beast's heat. But it's got a tongue, it's got broken teeth, it's the, the red, because of the red of the devil. It's a, it's a bit like the, the legend, isn't it? That Tom Cruise movie, um, which is, again, based on the, the picture of the devil. I think that's an absolutely terrific special effect. And, and again, Tenant is, you have, a bit like Sean Parks with just pressing buttons and talking to nobody. David Tennant is doing all of this. He's not having a conversation. He is getting all of this out, but it doesn't seem like an info dump. Uh, it's it's the brains of the doctor working it all out. Um, and of course, and that's brilliant, the way that it's cut like that. I know some people find that quite annoying, but I, I, I love that because that's the doctor's mind, sort of bish, bash, bosh, you know. Uh, this, is, this is a man who's cogs were so so very quickly uh and, and that's a sign of a you know genius mind working things out quicker than we ever possibly could and he talks it through which is very handy because then we the audience get told it it's brilliant it's all so well done and i love the the, the wobble from the heat it's in toby toby is the devil uh so the doctor's the doctor's actually not able to do anything, is he? Uh, as far as you know, he's uh, again. So he's got he's got. They're always worried about each other. These two. It's it's a bit like. It's actually it's a bit like having kids rather than a relationship. I was going to say it's a bit like being in a relationship. Um, well, no, it's not. It's not like having kids because your kids don't worry about you at all. But when you have kids, you worry about them all the time. Um, So I'd be interested to see what the... Because the original scripts, I believe, were very, very different. I've never, as I say, I've never massively, um, you know, I've, I've not been able to go over any documents or anything from, from New Who. Um, nor am I in Harry hurry to do so. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do when I'm claiming my pension. Uh, or I might... Or other people will have done it first and I can just... Uh, I, I can just uh, read all about it. I've got... Uh, but um, but yes, it it means that's the wonderful thing about Doctor Who is that 
I, ex I experienced this as it went out. And obviously we learned stuff with Doctor Who Confidential and contemporary interviews. In, in 15 years time, you know, there'll be, there'll be more stuff to come because people, people will say things in interviews in 50 years time, 15 years time that they won't say now. And they certainly wouldn't have said then. And I don't mean bad things either. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a gossip, but, but because also time changes opinions. Um, I mean, actually, you know, must say my Doctor Who scarf, um, you know, when I was doing it and just after it, I was very proud of it and very happy with it. Then about five years later, I couldn't even listen to it and I hated it. Um, uh, and actually, I'm slightly better. Dis I, I got slightly better disposed to it when my kids wanted to listen to it. But now I'm a bit ambivalent, but that's because I haven't heard it for ages. But I know there are certain jokes I wouldn't now do that I did then. Uh, so you do your opinion on something changes so that the people who made this will all have different views i know this was billy piper's i think said her favorite one in the radio times interview i wonder what she thinks you know with the passage of time or when you go back to it and watch it and some things are better than you remember and some things are, are worse so there's there's always going to be stuff to talk about and find out about um uh, about these but particularly what i started with which is this this i think had the slithine in it and was obviously very different uh and i'd be really interested to see uh you know the the starting point what it was and and what it became and 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 how many versions there were uh and i'm sure that will come out at some point although of course modern doctor who is done quite often by email i'm sure um so it's it's not like you know production files from old stuff where everything had to be written down and on paper and there's bits of paper for everything um i hope there's someone somewhere collating all of the emails and that the internet suddenly doesn't melt and loses it all because i suppose because you know once you trade in your old computer or whatever uh, um a lot of your stuff i don't think i've got draft scripts from i'll say my doc two scarf anymore because i wrote them on a big old pc do you know what i mean i don't think I, and that crashed and i think i lost a load of stuff so, uh, and did I ever print it off? I, do you know what? I don't know that I did. Uh, have I recorded it? Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> I suddenly had a panic. <laughs> but the, this is a brilliant, brilliant. That fire is great. Um, but yeah, writing the history of this Doctor will rely very much, I suspect, on saying to Russell T. Davis, can 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 we look through all the attachments on your emails? Um, it's 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 quite a mimsy. It's quite, I I love this and and I think that the burning devil is absolutely fantastic. But what's but I'm not I'm not quite sure what he's why he's yelling at them and 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 doing a little bit of amateur fire breathing. Um, uh, I mean that's a that's a good parting shot um and a, an ingenious way of getting rid of him uh it's a it's a bit bad for toby because are we to assume then that toby was is it a sergeant arnold thing when we get to the web of fear oh i've got a whole thing about the fact that sergeant arnold is in the target book is 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 only the intelligence when the intelligence needs him to be and the rest of the time he's sergeant arnold whereas in the tv version uh he's he's one of the first soldiers to die and he's always been the intelligence as long as we know i hate that because sergeant arnold is such a good character i i think i prefer it that 
that Toby was Toby as far as he was concerned, except for the bits where the devil took him over for those moments. But that actually doesn't tie in with that. Uh, and also it means that um, uh, Rose has just murdered Toby, whereas if she's just, uh, you know... Uh, made the devil get sucked out that's 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 slightly better uh and do you know what this finding of the tardis when we have when we're in a story that's about leaps of faith uh is absolutely fine um i know some old school fan friends who would not forgive that uh which i think is a bit churlish considering some of the things that that old doctor who got away with uh i i think it's th thematically appropriate uh that the doctor should stumble across the TARDIS and it has fallen down there so why not um I, I think that's fine um uh and you know and at the last minute they've been saved and that works because he knows where they are he knows they're on the ship boom 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 I think that all works I think that's most satisfactory I think I think it does it does meander slightly with the doctor's philosophical bit but which I know I talked through a lot and, and I think I might have benefited from listening to because I, I, I wonder if I would have enjoyed it more now that I'm a bit older and, and, and uh, I'm not expecting the devil to come out of the hole because I know it doesn't. And I think what he's talking about, um, uh, you know, is, is very interesting and thoughtful. But, um, and you, uh, you know, you've got a, you, you've got a good actor um, carrying a slightly more thoughtful part of the story because it doesn't have to be all action adventure. You're 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 getting there. Uh, you know you're 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 getting all the actiony stuff with Rose and Jefferson and those guys in the tunnels. I, it's it's uh, that's an interesting thing though. He had time for one trip, so he could either save Ida or he could save. All of the Ood. Um, that is a bit... That is, that is a bit... Um, well, human beings are more important than things that don't look like us. It's a, And it's the similarities with the Ark there as well, aren't there? And I know a lot of people see the Ark as quite a reactionary thing, which I'd not read it as until uh, Rob and I did uh, Running Through Corridors, where Ross, Rob pointed out that it, it, it is a bit saying, don't don't give the... Don't give the, 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 the the savages or the you know slash aliens their um their head otherwise they only go and you know try and take over and steal things from you and i hadn't read it like that at all uh, but it's there it's there uncomfortably and i i think the human race get off quite lightly uh with the ood and, and in not going back to rescue them um uh i think i, I think the doctor and yeah yeah and is that is that deliberate? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't all have to be neat and nice. It's it's, but but the story doesn't seem to give us a payoff for that. You know, the story doesn't sort of go. But we're all a bit naughty for being like that. Uh, the stuff of lads now. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's a bit cocky, guys. You're in trouble very soon. Um, yeah, what about? Uh, and now he's going to list all of the ood. 
is going to list them all in numerical order. Which means I hope he's he's waiting for a big crescendo with Sylvia and Keith after the Ood. And with full military honours and statues in their name. Uh, <laughs> oh, and love and monsters. Uh, uh, gosh, this was weird for me because uh, um, I was at Peter Kay's first ever stand-up gig. My goodness me. And there he was being in Doctor Who. Um and now John Bishop is in Doctor Who. I've gigged with a million times. Everybody I know is in Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> I love Love and Monsters. Um, can't wait to do that for this. Um, I love this year of Doctor Who. And I, it's interesting, I think... Um, don't know. Don't cut to the next episode. Don't cut to the next episode. How do I stop it doing that? Yes, like that. Um, t t what was I... Oh, I was... A, uh, what I didn't mention as well was that I love the fact that uh, the, the the writing on the wall is so old that the TARDIS hasn't been able to translate it. That's another thing where you're taking all the constituents of the show. So the TARDIS translation device, which is really really handy, and you go, well, how do we make how do we make a thing really really scary? Well, let's have it so old that this thing that is a confection that is that is that is made up that is part of our fiction but is so deeply entrenched in part of our, as part of our fiction, the TARDIS translation thing, if we now have a thing that it can't translate, that suddenly makes it go, oh, even though it actually means nothing. But it's great because it also means that you can't, you don't write what the words are, So, which is handy because if, if written down, if we had seen what they were, they were never going to be as, as, as scary as actually not knowing what the ancient screed says, you know, because your imagination conjures more than words ever could. Um, so I didn't mention that in episode one, which I think is a is a is a great thing. Um, so here we are. That was so I've got to choose. Oh, how many things has he chosen? Because he chose he chose four last time, didn't it? So he's chosen first, second, third, and bonus. So I've got to choose four things. Well, the Satan pit, the Satan, the the special effect of the beast, uh, which I think is absolutely extraordinary um and fantastic um a triumph that still looks really really good um jefferson's death but that's the that's the bit that got me uh the most that you know that that self-sacrifice uh i i thought was uh terrific um uh now this see if if i'd chosen scooty's death in episode one which i should have done I could have chosen the ensemble cast uh, for this, but I can't. Um, uh, I think the oh well, the the design. I think the whole look of it and the whole the design slash the whole aliens kind of aesthetic. So that that ties in with the you know the the Ood coming down the tunnels and all of that sort of stuff. The whole look of it. Um, well, tips out to James Strong, the director as well. But 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 I think but I think yeah, the design, the design, uh, uh, and the evocation of 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 aliens. I think you know really. Um, I think really uh, is 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 uh, supremely effective, and the way that they've augmented the 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 caves or the 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 uh, the, the real uh, rocky landscape that uh, David Tennant uh, and uh, Claire. Rushbrooker on um and 
one more thing one more thing um well it's got to be the it's got to be the casting of gabriel wolf to stretch it back to pyramids of mars and the fact that you know the beast sort of thematically links back to old doctor Who, but also that helps to link the whole idea of the beast being linked across all religions and everything the sort of interconnectedness of the fact that it's all sort of based on the same idea and the fact that they've done that even within the lore of doctor who i don't think uh i'm anywhere close to what nick will choose um but let's see his first thing thanks a lot toby and as you see i've recovered from my kablam explosion and got a new scarf as well uh my first favorite bit of this episode is rose tyler transforming herself into the doctor or uh, thinking like the doctor thinks um which is a theme that i think evolves later on with other assistants particularly clara oswald who gets a bit carried away and thinks she actually is the doctor i mean come on darling get over yourself but Rose, uh, it's good, it's like, oh, what do we do now? This is uh, an impossible situation. Let's think about it. We'll do this, we'll do that. She gets them all um, into action, getting them down the, the, the shaft and all the rest of it. So I thought that was pretty cool that, um, you know, the Doctor was out of the picture, as it were. And she, uh, she cracked on regardless. Uh, all power to the assistant, you know, um, what's it, girl power? Assistant power, assistant power. So I like that. I think that was the beginning. I mean, it's done before in more subtle ways in, in previous series in the classic, but that was the first time I think it was underlined that, right, I'm going to be the doctor now. Um, so I like that. So that was my first favourite bit. Note to self, uh, I will take David Tennant and Billy Piper and in fact, all of the regulars for granted if I am not careful, uh, because there's—I mean, there's pretty spot on all of the time. So I must remember to make notes to go. I particularly like that bit the Doctor and Companion did because I'm in danger of not mentioning them at all. Because you look at what, because that's the thing about Doctor, you look at all the stuff that's new or or peculiar peculiar pardon me to this particular adventure uh which uh means you can seriously underestimate the the very things that make you come back each week which are the two very very fine actors uh at the center of of the show and they are great um so yeah sorry billy piper david tennant because you're superb um second thing and my second favorite bit is that really, really exciting bit when they go down the mine shaft, the shaft thing that, um, you know, connects all the corridors and all the rest of it. Um, because we love the base under siege thing anyway. I mean, there's such a classic uh, Doctor Who thang, uh, which is essentially what this story is. But it gets even more claustrophobic when they're down there and he's having to move the air around the, uh, the main guy to um, to keep them breathing and all the rest of the Uda following them. Um, and uh, yeah, I really like that bit. Uh, and the the climax of that bit for me was when Toby Zed is screaming to be let out, and then he turns around, and goes like this with his red eyes, and you suddenly realise he's still in control of uh, he's still being controlled by the youth. Um, no, not the youth, uh, by the monster, but <laughs> the creature, the creature from the pit. No, the Satan, Satan's pit. You see, you have to get up very early to catch me out, dear readers. Uh, but that is my second favourite bit of the episode. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I, I I was thinking when he started that that I was going to have that, but I'd specifically I think chosen 
Uh, but he didn't mention which was Jefferson's uh, self-sacrifice rather than Toby's bit. And yes, Toby is Toby is the beast. So I wonder when Toby... I suppose Toby dies as soon as the beast gets him. So he's never Toby after that. So why is he dead with honours then? Because he didn't do anything particularly brave, actually. Um, uh, and I think that actually undermines the honours that have been conferred upon uh, everybody else, including Sylvia and Keith, who, who obviously get theirs off screen. <laughs> uh, number three. OK, my third favourite bit in this episode is not only one of my favourite bits in Doctor Who, but one of my favourite bits in drama, uh, television drama. I love it so much. It's the scene where um, either Scott and the Doctor are waiting by the pit they think all is lost and the Doctor decides to uh, take a leap of faith and just jump in the pit, uh, holding onto the rope. Um, it's just a wonderful scene. I love it so much. It's directed by James Strong. Uh, Claire Rushbrook um, is either. She's fantastic. David Tennant, of course. Oh, my God. And there's this wonderful image of him uh, in his spacesuit just holding on. It's just blackness. It's a very simple uh, frames um, image, but it's, it's, it's so strong. And Ida sitting on the side assuming they're both going to die and there's this wonderful respect between them it's a lovely conversation that allows the plot to uh to, to just slow down a little bit while we just have this this lovely conversation about religion and it's like an unpeeling layers of an onion a little bit with the, with the characters particularly with Ida there's one moment when she suddenly remembers her mum and she just says oh my poor mum or something like that and it's it's just so well done and it, it got me quite misty-eyed at that point, I must say, I must say. Oh, oh. No, it did, a little bit, um, because it just felt very real that they were really in this situation, that they, they were going to die, and she was never going to see her mum again. And that little moment when she just mentions her mum implied a, a huge backstory, um, a whole world, a whole universe um, of, of, of her life and her life with her mum and uh, things that were, were, were left unsaid and arguments and all the rest of it. Uh, and I love that, the fact that, you know, you could have a whole drama about Ida Scott's life with her mum, which we would love to see, particularly if, if Russell wrote it, because um, he does that sort of stuff so well. So that's, I just thought that was very powerful. Then all the conversation about organised religion and that killer line, the things that men do, I, it just, I thought, my God, this is, this is just amazing drama. You want to see this in a clip in BAFTA to show all the, uh, you know, the people who think um, Doctor Who's just running up and down corridors. The fact that it can be like this as well. And not that running down corridors is not brilliant as well, um, I must say. But, um, yeah, the things that men do, which is just implied just the evil that, 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 that people can do. If you think about the last few years with Brexit and Trump and all the rest of it, let's not get started about that and COVID. Um, yeah, it just, I think that one simple line spoke volumes to me um, about what organised religion can be like, how it can affect um, people's lives. And I know in the future, uh, Russell C. Davis has banned religion uh, on the um, on the uh, the spaceship or if it was the, uh, yeah, that, when the Earth exploded. Um, that bit. So I just thought that was beautiful. Uh, as I said, I love the respect between them uh, as as, uh, as scientists, and uh, she almost um, became the companion in that scene. Um, and I love the fact they, because so many scenes in Doctor Who are very heightened. There's lots of shouting, lots of angst, and in this scene, even though the you know the uh, the stakes are really high, 
as I said, I love the fact that it has it slows down, and there's just this lovely respect between them, like a, just a, a lovely conversation which we're privileged to hear. Um, that's how I felt about it. I quote's quite profound the whole thing, and and at the end when he he is going to let go a leap of faith and just see what happens, and she she's really upset. She doesn't want him to go. She doesn't want to be on her own, and. Uh, when he lets go and he just says, and he, um, talking about Rose, he says, oh, I want to tell Rose and he can't say the words. What, what was he going to say? And so he just says, oh, she knows. And he just, well, he just lets go and he just, it's so beautiful, where he flutters away. And you would have thought Murray Gold might have ramped up their music and, oh my God, but no, it was just, it was, it was soulful and beautiful that moment and, and shocking um, with, with its simplicity of the, just the blackness and him falling back. Um, blurbling on a bit but I hope you're getting a sense of what I mean with this scene I thought it was spectacular now is there anything else I need to mention about that probably not but yeah that was I would say that's up there with the the BAFTA acceptance speeches and the Oscars and show that clip for uh, for all Doctor Who doubters out there brilliant because do you know what I, I had a nagging feeling because I was being daft about Silver and Keith that I'd undersold that bit and, and and because i think i i i needed to flag up that at the, at the time i'd been slightly surprised that 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 uh, the story had sort of slowed down um and that image of the doctor hanging in the darkness and yeah that she knows i'd forgot about that and because of because of this that i have to talk through stuff i i missed uh Ida's line about her mum and i've forgotten about that um uh that it's interesting that the bit that sort of moved me and got me is the heroic last stand of the military bit and and actually Nick's there um, and and sort of got me going a little bit in his description of something I've just watched but was blooming well talking through. Um, uh, but it is, it is very beautiful and yeah, the soundtrack is lovely with it or the, the sparseness of the soundtrack and that quiet moment and the fall into nothing. Uh, and, and yeah, I did talk about the leap of faith, but actually the, uh, yeah, talking about um, uh, religion sort of coach, couching the, the evil that men do is very, very interesting stuff. And, and yeah, very profound and intelligent but also terribly moving because of the connection between the two. So uh, I'm grateful to Nick for enunciating uh, uh, that uh, much better than I did at the time. Or, uh, I mean, I'm not sure I did it at all uh, because I was dicking about. Um, But that just goes to show. um, And and I suppose it depends on your mood as well. And I was getting all excited and blah, blah, blah. blah, And there might be another time. And perhaps next time I watch this, I'll be a bit more thoughtful and philosophical philosophical uh and also i'll be minded to sort of think about those bits because of this experience so next time i visit this text uh i will i will probably connect with a a a different piece of it that's that's why that's why we keep going back you know i've i've watched the mutants (laughs) seven or eight times so uh, there's no way I'm not going to watch The Satan Fit the Impossible Planet, you know, probably 20 or 30 times in my life. Uh, and I will get something different out of it and, and, and certainly out of this because it is so multi-layered and so thoughtful, as well as action-packed and exciting. Um, and I'm, yes, I'm only sorry I didn't, uh, I didn't give it its dues in that respect. Um, 
when we do it. So almost made me want to watch it again. <laughs> Not going to. I've got to do the rest of the canon for this podcast. Um, so what's Nick's bonus thing? So yeah, I definitely should have chosen that. Uh, one more thing, Nick. <sighs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> Just trying out COVID masks. I'm sure this uh, scarf has got longer. Anyway, uh, my final bit is my bonus bit. My bonus bit. And it was going to be the fart in the ventilation shaft because I thought it was quite funny. And I love the fact that Doctor Who, uh, you know, people can fart in Doctor Who, um, which makes it all real. It makes the Daleks completely real to me now. Um, farting Daleks. <laughs> but that's not my bonus bit. My bonus bit is <coughs> um, the end. The end bit. Because there's so much jeopardy at the end. You've got the Doctor stuck down at the pit. The Beast is going, oh, he's sort of dying and everything. Um, he knows the mind of a Beast is somewhere else. It's in, it's in Toby's head. Spoilers. Spoilers. It's in Toby's head. They're being sucked into a black hole. Toby's head is going to kill them. Everything's all kicking off. And how are they possibly, possibly going to resolve that, dear readers? So, yeah, I mean, even though Doctor was on every single week, it's like, I'm, I really don't know how they're going to get sort this out before the end of the episode, which was like, you know, another eight minutes time. And they do. Oh, my God. Particularly if you're a young child watching that. And you don't know the routine with Doctor Who. Or Doctor Who usually gets out alive. Or if he dies, he just comes back to life again. Or she does. Um, but, uh, yeah. So that was that was my final favourite bit. But there was just so much jeopardy in that last last few moments. And yet the Doctor saves the day. And to sum up, um, how would I rate this in terms of 1 to 10? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's never too early for a 10 from Shirley. Uh, do you know what? I nearly said, when I said, oh, I bet he hasn't chosen any of my things, I bet he's chosen, I think I then tailed off and went, not that, didn't I? I, I nearly said, I bet he's chosen the fart. <laughs> and I thought, no, the, come on now. Don't, and he nearly did. Um, uh, <laughs> note to self, sometimes I think things and I don't say them. Uh, and then I afterwards wish I had. Say them. You can always edit them out. Oh, but that involves editing and I don't want to do that. Uh, this is This is, as you get it, this is splurge, guys. Um, so I failed dismally on that, but uh, I actually think Nick there did perhaps a better job than I did um, of choosing things. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I think justly and rightly celebrated a very, very good uh, two episodes of Doc 2. Uh, it's a really enjoyable show, um, uh, really smart. Um, One thing I didn't say that I'm now going to say is that I thought Keith might have been the cameraman who's also uncredited because I think his his dialogue sort of done later in ADR, ADR who goes in uh, to see the, the, the aliens in uh, the Torchwood um, Children of Earth uh, in the, you know, in the, when the episode where Yanto dies. Um, I remember thinking, is that isn't that the guy from? So I wonder if he was an extra that they used a lot, but I don't know because I haven't looked it up. But if I'm correct, I will be happy I've said it out loud. And if I'm not, I'll edit it out. Um, so Nick is going to say cheerio. I think he's probably done a video for that as well. Yes, he has. Here's his end piece. 
Hey Toby, I hope you guessed some of my uh, favourite bits from The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. Uh, and it was great fun to do. And thank you so much for letting me be on your fantastic podcast, Happy Times and Places. Uh, great fun. Everybody should watch this and listen to this every week because it's an audio and a, vid and a video as well. Um, I do a podcast called SNS Online. It's short for Scratch and Sniff, where we have lots of guests on. We scratch beneath the surface and have a good sniff of the guests. And guests have included, from the world of Doctor Who, uh, Toby Haydock, so check him out. Um, got to hear that one, obviously. Uh, Louise Jameson, Katie Manning, uh, Julie Hesmhouch has been on, and loads more. Other people as well, Armstead Morpian, Alan Yentob, all sorts. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, even though I say it myself, because uh, nobody else will. Nobody will. They will. Well, hopefully they will if I pay them a little bit. Anyway, that's it from me for now. I heard a strange sci-fi noise in the cellar, and I'm going to investigate Doctor Who style. So until next time from me, goodbye. <gasps> <laughs>really that was really scary i was expecting something like i can't that was actually really horrible uh so i think nick has been killed by some sort of beast uh but do listen to his uh podcast i mean armistead morpan alan yentob toby haydock yes some some episodes i think are better than others um but uh yeah really impressive uh roster of people um, and he's a great host um, and he's good fun isn't he he's good energy good value uh, Doctor Who's brought lots of interesting and positive people and energy into my life and I'm very happy about that and I hope that you are happy too um, uh, and uh, so that's the second time somebody called Toby has been in Doctor Who uh, and the second time somebody called Toby Doctor Who has met a horrible horrible end well this is my horrible end uh, and i'll be seeing you uh, for another doctor who adventure next time thanks for joining me in the satan pit uh, which uh, is currently a very very happy time and place and it's about to close ta-ta thank you so much for listening to happy times and places in which nick randall whose podcast Scratch and Sniff can be found on Twitter at Scratch and Tweet. Scratch, the letter N, Tweet, Scratch and Tweet. He chose for me The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. I've just watched the second part of that. I'm Toby Haydock, and I'm very grateful to the patrons who make these broadcasts possible. They include Ruben Herfindahl, Sidney Wilson, John Williams, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Peter Ware, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Gary Wales, John Turner, Sidney Trote, Jason Thompson, Paul Taylor-Greaves, Adam Stone, David Spencer, Richard Smith, Paul Shields, John Sheehan, and Edward Salt. Oh, and two non-speaking patrons who I don't know the names of and whose deaths will go unnoticed. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Spare a penny for a wandering thespian. Uh, these things don't produce themselves, you know. So if you would like to support their production, please go to patreon.com forward slash Toby where you can sign up for as little as £3 a month. And for that, you get these well in advance. I mean, goodness me, you'd have been a spring chicken when this was released if you'd uh, 
uh, got it on Patreon, whereas now you're probably a pensioner. That's how big the gap is, about six months. Um, and you also get bonus material, exclusives, and all sorts of other stuff and chats and things like that uh, at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Uh, if you don't want to do the monthly thing or be committed to anything, you can occasionally pop into ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and buy me a coffee uh, or, or throw me a few pennies just to uh, brighten my day. I totally understand that times are tough and uh, that that might not be possible. And uh, I'm just grateful to you for listening. Thanks for doing that. But you know what? If you enjoy listening, it would be really great and it would cost you nothing if you could go to iTunes and give this podcast or this series of podcasts, Toby Haydock's Time Travel, five stars uh, and perhaps a few words of positive review. That just really helps to get the word out there uh, and to get it supported. And the more supported it gets, uh, the more people know about it and the more people know about it, the uh, well, the more it'll be make up for the fact that my dad left when I was four and I've been trying to get attention ever since. Something like that. Anyway. Oh, talking of getting attention, I also do a stand-up night in Manchester at 8pm every Tuesday uh, called Excess Malarkey at the Breadshed in Manchester. It's been going for 24 years. It's pretty good. We get uh, the best comics from the circuit and we charge as little money as possible. There's a theme here. Uh, value yourself, Toby. No, I just hope for the best, really. Um, anyway, it's just talking. <laughs> yeah, I know, you don't stop. You literally don't stop. I know, you're heckling yourself now. I know, nobody's listening to this bit, apart from Stephen Moffat. Not the Doctor Who Stephen Moffat. Uh, well, he is Doctor Who Stephen Moffat, but not the, the showrunner Stephen Moffat. Uh, Stephen Moffat, one of the lovely patrons of Toby Haydock's Time Travels, who listens right to the end just to see if I say something uh, stupid in the post credits, which is sort of what I'm doing now. It's it's. I mean, Marvel, be damned. This is this is the stuff. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the comedy night, excess malarkey, uh, live in Manchester every Tuesday, uh, and it also has gone online. We had to do it online during lockdown, uh, and that was popular enough for people to clamour that we continued to do so. Now that we're allowed to lick each other's faces and get on the bus and all sorts of other things, and that's on Twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey every first Sunday of the month at 8pm. That is totally free, um, although there is a donation option. Again, no obligation, but uh, oh, well, it's just nice to know that there are people out there. So there we go. That's the post-credit sequence, which has lasted several days. It's your fault, Stephen. Stephen. <laughs>